0: Hi, my name is Anja Karvovska and I'm the host of this amazing podcast. If you are a neurodivergent person, struggling with learning the language, tend to procrastinate too much, or maybe you have so many goals you get lost right out of the bed, if you answered yes to any of these questions, you have come to the right place, my friend. I'll teach you how to apply cognitive science and evidence-based methods to your learning. I will walk you through the learning plateau. If you're scared to talk, the vocabulary evaporates your mind, have been studying for ages, following shiny objects, binge watching Netflix, hoping that the knowledge will cross your head for osmosis. If so, I'm here to help you. I'll show you how to study and tackle the language and most importantly, how to make it stick. I'm inviting you on the journey with me. Let's add a science sprinkle to your learning. Hi, welcome to Up Your English with me, Anna Kolbowska. I'm broadcasting that message from Canadian-American border. So today, again, I'll be talking about myths and misconceptions in education. Today, I'll tackle only dyslexia myths. Why? The reason being, whenever I tune into social media, I come across lots of myths and misconceptions. So I've decided that I will dismantle the most popular beliefs that have not been quantified by science. And I know that lots of teachers will argue with me that education is social science, but I know that there are many theories However, education should be informed by science. So it is important to be aware of some of the most popular misconceptions and myths surrounding dyslexia and language learning. So I've decided just to present and dismantle some myths. Of course, I will not have the time to discuss every possible myth that has come up in education. However, I've tried to talk about those who are most popular, let's say, inverted commas. Myth number one is that smart people cannot be dyslexic or have a learning disability. Dyslexia and intelligence are not connected. Dyslexia is a spectrum, which means that you can be either very bright or you might be struggling. It is not linked to intelligence in any way. The other myth is that dyslexia does not exist. I think that myth is very popular on Twitter. So yeah, I'm I'm quite, I'm not as active on Twitter as I used to have been because um, of many reasons I should not be talking of right now. However, Dyslexia has been documented for over 40 years. Dyslexia is the, the most researched learning disability that we have had. So no, Dyslexia is rare and it does exist. The other myth is that Dyslexia is rare. Dyslexia affects around 20% of people. So no, it's not rare and it's not uncommon and it cannot be outgrown. Dyslexia is not an easy fix. So I know that some people think, oh yeah, you know, they use dyslexia because they want to have the accommodation during the exam, which takes me to another point. Accommodations are useful. So are modifications. I'm not an enemy of accommodations or modifications. But if you think about learning a language, especially learning a foreign language and dyslexia and accommodations, think about your students. In time, they might want to get a job. That will require them to speak or write, right? and the foreign language, let's say English. In time, maybe in five, ten years' time, they'll be thinking of taking a Cambridge exam. Maybe they'll immigrate, maybe they'll be thinking about taking IELTS, TOEFL you name it, right? So if you provide only accommodations, you're not teaching the student the language. So you're preparing them to fail. Even though your intentions are nothing but good. So I think about that, which takes me to another move, that it's like there should be remediated by accommodations and modifications. Accommodations and modifications are not remediation. Uh, so if you want your students to be successful, and I know that all teachers want that, that's like absolutely, we all are givers and we are rooting for our students. So I'd say teach them the basics of language. By that I mean go back three steps so that you cross the marathon line. I know that very often parents are very adamant, right? When we talk about, well, we have to go back to the basics. They say, no, we don't have time, we have exams. But if you do not go back to the basics, you will not give your students the foundations, which means go back to the basic speech to print principle, teach them spelling. Yes, dyslexic students should be taught spelling, so it's not something that should not be taught. Of course, they might struggle, It's not very easy, but you should teach dyslexic students spelling because as Professor Lina Erie said, that spelling is the door to skilled reading. If you're not a good speller, you will be struggling with reading. So decoding and encoding go hand in hand. And I would add writing and grammar. So you need to have all those components so that your students can succeed. And we all want them to succeed. Another, a very particular one, and uh, I really, um, I don't like it, is that if they don't learn to read by grade three or four, they'll never learn to read, which is absolutely not true. I've worked with adults. I've been teaching adults to read and they were yellow learners. So this is not true. It might take a little bit more time. However, it is absolutely doable. I would not doom any student for the route of illiteracy because that's heartbreaking and the results when we talk about mental health, uh, educational possibilities, drug abuse, uh, spec at prison pipeline that has been documented in the research and many, many publications. Another myth is that children who fail to discover how to learn to read from embedded phonic instruction by the age of 7 or 8 and remain phonologically unaware are likely to have dyslexia, and children who continue to struggle with reading despite receiving conventional remediation, They are called non-responders. They have the most severe form of dyslexia. Failure to read is caused by many factors, but it has more to do with the nature of teaching than the nature of a child. I know it might be hard for us to accept, but most likely if our student is not reading or if our student is struggling with learning to read in English, let's say now I'm talking about English, so that means that he he or she has been failed along the way in the educational journey. So that's not true. Uh, Another myth is that dyslexics are compensated for the lack of phonological ability by being gifted in the artistic visual spatial sphere. Research and investigation has found little evidence to support that theory. And I would say dyslexic people are creative, mostly because they're hacking, right? Because they have to like, hack everything around them. But most importantly, they are creative and they are bright and smart and successful because they receive remediation because they receive support in the educational journey so um yeah i know it's it's a hard pill to swallow for us teachers but yeah if we don't support our students if our society does not support our students then they fail and struggle another myth and i part, i'm particularly disgusted by that one is that people of sex cannot read people can read unfortunately what lots of educators do not realise is whether it's reading in the first, second, third language, especially when they learn to read and if a dyslexic student struggles with the second language, they will most likely struggle with the first one, unless the first one is a very transparent and less opaque language, but that's another topic and most of the dyslexia will be more visible in the second language. So uh, speaking is natural, evolutionary speaking is natural to us, but reading is not. Reading is evolutionary new. That's why it's easier, uh, that's why despite my uh, studies that were conducted most likely in the 60s and the 70s when the science was not as robust and we really didn't have fMRI. So uh, speech is natural, other skills are not and they have to be taught. So another myth. This one is particularly, I'm dedicating that move to teachers who are huge fans of round robin. You know who i'm talking to so if a dyslexic child reads aloud for 20 minutes a day it will improve your reading so uh, reading out loud will help a child sound out unknown words so they will try to memorize the word and memorizing by shape or picture or contact clues is the worst possible idea because then you're teaching the child the ways of a poor reader so do not rely, and I can't state it enough, and I'm, I'm getting flustered. But you cannot give leveled reader books to your dyslexic student. So even if you are yes, in a classroom, please think of decodable readers so that the student masters one skill over the sound or that they have learned in the decodable reader. And now dyslexics do not see things backwards. That's like anatomy, I don't know. And dyslexia is not a visual problem. So it has been proven inaccurate, so no, dyslexia is not a visual problem. Any child that reverses letters uh, has dyslexia, no. Uh, letter reversal or number reversal is, let's say, developmental. or less nine. Um, there is a fascinating book by Professor Stanislaus Dien, uh, Reading the Brain, and he's tackling that idea in a larger and greater detail if you're interested. Mural writing is a symptom of dyslexia. Backwards writing and reversals are very common in early stages, so no. Children with dyslexia are lazy. They should just try harder, so try harder. So no. Research has shown that the technology of functional magnetic results imagining fMRI, that those with dyslexia use a different part of the brain. So like I said in my previous episode, it's like you have a highway with three ways that are not going directly to point A, but go they go to point B, C and then A. The findings prove that sexy people are not lazy. They are just poorly taught. So we have to change them. And accommodations are not an advantage. And this is a fact not a myth. So um, I know that it is an attempt to level the playing field, whether it's a standardized testing or homework. So certain accommodations are necessary, like extra time, Right. However, we need to teach our children the foundations of language, especially with English language being an opaque language and being morphophonemic language, which I cannot state enough. English language is not a phonemic language. It's a morphophonemic language. So that's why morphology is also a necessary component when we work with our students. Dyslexia is equally prevalent in boys and girls. This is actually a tricky one because the research that I have gone through, it says that one in five. Boys are dyslexic and when it comes to girls, it's a little bit uh, smaller. However, again, this is something that uh, needs further inquiry and research. Public schools don't admit that dyslexia exists. I think especially in the United States and Canada, we have a problem very often. um, The schools write something like disability in reading or writing. That's like another issue, but I will not be talking about the Ontario Humanitarian Report and the results, which are very shocking. If a child is not eligible for special education, then the child does not have Dyslexia. It is absolutely not true. And another one is that it isn't fair for a teacher to make accommodations for a Dyslexic child because other children do not have accommodations. This is actually not true. Dyslexic students need accommodations, accommodations. however, again, I would not fall for the trap of the student uh, getting accommodation and not being taught. That's the common problem, unfortunately, and I have witnessed it in EFL in the ESL classroom over the years. That the students are being given accommodations and modifications, and that's it. So they do not get any help other than that. That in a natural results, with a student who cannot take his exam, who cannot take his uh, Matura right, or Matriculation exam, who is struggling with grade 8 exam, student who cannot take FCE, CAE, CPE, IELTS, and now. A great myth-buster for me is that I have prepared dyslexic students for IELTS, Advanced and TOEFL and yes they do pass so this is not true that your students cannot take a language exam or they cannot learn language because they can. I'd say even something different that when you teach a dyslexic student with this structured literacy approach which is so helpful for all the students they are more inquisitive and they question everything. They, they really, they look at the language from absolutely different angle, And this is fascinating. So this is a short recap of learning dyslexia myths. I really wanted to create that episode because whenever I go on social media, I, I just I cannot stand looking at all the myths and misconceptions that are being reproduced. In goodwill, I do understand it, but still. and. I wanted to thank all the people who have decided to take the journey uh, of the dyslexia in the ESL-EFL classroom. I applaud you. I thank you. I'm sure you will not regret it. It's going to be an amazing 10 weeks. And I also want to say that I have created this letter, which is a newsletter for teachers who work with dyslexic EFL students and ESL students. So if you are interested, if you would like to receive bi-weekly information about research um, linked to my podcast and sometimes occasional worksheets and early bird offers and discounts because I'm working in the background. So there are more offers coming. So please just sign up to my newsletter. I will be more than happy to have you in my orbit. Other than that, stay safe and healthy and talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye.